Hi, I'm Tom Field, Senior Vice President of Editorial with Information Security Media Group. I'm talking today about identity fraud, specifically account origination. And it's my pleasure to be speaking with Bala Kumar, Chief Product Officer with Iovation, a transunion company. Bala, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you, Tom. It's a pleasure to be on. So, Bala, in the wake of all the major breaches, we've seen a spike in incidents of identity fraud in general but account origination in particular. What are some of the specific trends that you see using both valid and synthetic IDs? Well, Tom, you know, the fraudsters are a constantly evolving lot. They experiment with multiple attack vectors and try to find the path of least resistance. We see a couple approaches. One, they try to come in through different channels. And second, once they figure out the channel they want to come through, they apply different fraud patterns. So first, let's talk about the channels, right? So if they run into challenges on the online channels, they will switch to mobile channels. One of the interesting things about mobile channels is because of the small form factor, companies, institutions, they typically have fewer security controls on those to reduce friction for the consumers. They want consumers to be able to get in and be able to do whatever they want to do and get out as easily as possible. So they have reduced controls in that form factor. If the fraudsters are not able to get through that mobile channel, then they will try calling the call center and try to social engineer their way through getting into the system. So that's the channel aspect of it. From a fraud pattern standpoint, we regularly see several transactions for different individuals, but coming from the same device or the same set of devices. So especially in this uh, world where there's so much compromised identity information, there are fraudsters sitting in different locations in the world. They have a stack of identity cards. They start filling out this information online or whatever channel they're coming through. But they're typically working through the same set of devices, and we are able to detect those. We also see the same phone number, but those phone numbers are tied to different individuals. So we'll see several transactions come through, and it will be for John Doe or Jane Smith, but they'll all have the same phone numbers tied to them. That may be generally okay if it's kind of a household situation where I may have the same home phone and my wife is using the same home phone. But typically in the fraudulent cases, we will see a significant velocity of these. We'll see like 10, 20, 30 transactions with the same phone number. And we see the same happen with email IDs as well. Um, the same email ID will be tried to different individuals and different transactions. And oftentimes we'll also see brand new email IDs, email IDs that we've never seen in the past. In our email verification service, we recognize over 97, 98% of the emails that come through the transactions, and we recognize that across our network. Of the ones we don't recognize, over 33% of those end up being fraud, because these are fraudsters who are on the fly creating these email IDs and trying to send those transactions out. And so over 33% of the ones that we don't recognize in our network, we find those to be uh, correlated to fraud. So we are able to block those. Uh, so those are some of the examples of the fraud patterns we see. And the same thing from a synthetic ID standpoint, uh, synthetic ID is a rampant issue. Uh, fraudsters, they are an extreme, I mean, they evolve, but they're also a very patient lot. They build out these identities over a period of time. They sit on it in some instances for years, building a good reputation for themselves. But when you have the right synthetic models in place, it becomes easy for us to recognize these and start flagging them. Um, so that, that's essentially what we see, uh, especially in the account origination space, where fraudsters are trying to come in, uh, game the system through different channels, and then they also try different attack vectors to try and get in. 
Bala, how do you see account origination fraud manifest in different industry sectors? Well, the interesting thing is, for the most part, when you think about account uh, origination, the vectors they use, the approaches they use are kind of similar, irrespective of, irrespective of the industry. But the interesting piece is, what are they trying to do when they get in, right? So typically, financial institutions, they're trying to get access to a new credit card. They're trying to get access to a new checking account. So it could be an IRS fraud, and they get that account of the payment uh, credited to a new account that's just been set up. In the case of insurance, the vertical, we see insurance policies being created uh, by ghost brokers. Um, so those are the different types of things that we see across industries. But again, the approach and the patterns that we see are very similar across most of these verticals. I wonder if you could talk to me for a minute about the incidence of promotion abuse. Why do these particularly stand out to you? Well, that's an interesting one. When organizations have uh, any promotions out there, folks want to game the system, right? If they can get ex extra hundred dollars, couple hundred dollars if they open a new uh, checking account, if they can get a free pass to an event, et cetera, because they signed up, they registered somewhere. Um, they're going to go try to do it. And sometimes it's not just a process, even uh, some gay individuals, because it's a free uh, pass to an event, they may try to gain the system. And what we see is typically the email IDs uh, that I mentioned, where they're asking you for an email ID when, uh, when you register. We will see a pretty significant spike in new emails that are being created. So let's say John Doe is a fraudster or somebody who's trying to game the system. They'll go in and create a John Doe at gmail.com, John Doe 001 at gmail.com, John Doe 002 at gmail.com. So they'll start creating a bunch of these new email IDs and they'll mix and match identities here and they'll try to register online using these fictitious, well, these are not really fictitious email IDs, real email IDs, but uh, email IDs that have been very recently created. So through our email verification service, we are able to go in and say, well, hold on a second, we haven't seen this email ID in our network before, and this email ID is just a couple of days old or just a few hours old, and we are able to start flagging those in our system. Um, but this is, again, uh, promotional abuse is something that we see on a regular basis because folks always want freebies. Paula, given all the trends that we've talked about here, where do you find that traditional fraud defenses fall short? Like I mentioned earlier, fraudsters are constantly evolving. They're going to try, a, if it doesn't work out, then they're going to try something different. If we have a one-size-fits-all fraud solution, that is actually going to be a barrier because once the fraudsters figure that out and they start evolving and they try something different, your solution is now relatively primitive to that, right? So you, uh, we uh, have to continuously keep um, building our defenses and building in additional layers. In the traditional scenarios, uh, in my experience, what I see is um, companies may be focused very much on the identity proofing, or they may be very much uh, focused on the device proofing. Um, they may be focused on preventing social engineering. And they take uh, different sledgehammers to each of these different pieces. What is necessary, in my opinion, is actually a couple of things. One, a layered solution that brings all these different components together. And then the second thing is the ability to be able to look across transactions across multiple channels. So if a fraudster tries to come in through an online channel and fails, and then tries to come in through the call center channel, social engineer their way through, 
it is critical that you have a solution that is able to detect that hey, this individual just showed up at my doorstep on the online channel five minutes ago or five days ago and now telling something the channel. In some instances, it may be genuine. Like I may be a good customer, I'm trying to come into um, the online channel and maybe I forgot my password and I may call into the call center. So that may be a genuine case, but it is important to be able to recognize that. And when you recognize that, then you can start putting in some additional controls and maybe do a quick validation and make sure it's really that individual before you start uh, getting them access into the system. What I've seen in the industry is typically customers not having the data connecting across all different channels. And when they start siloing it by specific capabilities like just identity proofing or digital proofing, those end up being not effective enough to stop the, uh, the fraudsters. So it's critical, bring all the data together, bring all these different layers together so you can correlate this individual is tied to this device, is tied to this phone number, is tied to, is tied to this email ID and have the 360 degree view of the individual. And then the third most important piece here is the, your fraud operations team, right? Fraud operations uh, or fraud prevention doesn't mean you have to put friction in the path of the good people. There are good transactions coming through the door. You do not want to say no to revenue, but it is important for you to be able to recognize those good people quickly. And that's where having the 360 degree view of an individual helps you. Because when you see that email ID and you see that phone number, you go, yep, we've seen this individual. We know this individual. These are good people and quickly get them through the door. And then the bad actors, you're able to quickly detect and go, well, I've seen the female ID multiple times tied to different people or this phone number or the synthetic ID, and you start blocking them. Our approach to this is uh, the analogy I like to use is when you're going through airport security, which line do you want to go through? Do you want to go through the line where you have to take your bag off, take your laptop out of the bag, take your shoes off, or do you want to go through TSA pre? Our goal is to provide that TSA pre experience to customers. And the way you do that is by having this layered solution that allows you to quickly recognize the good people and get them through and also effectively uh, identify the bad actors and stop them at the gate. So as a follow-up question, Bala, what's the value of doing both personal and digital ID checks at the point of account origination? goes back to what I was just saying. If you're coming in trying to open an account and if you're a fraudster, you're probably sitting there with a stack of identities, compromised identities you may have bought off the dark web and you're going to be filling in one application form after the other. Having that digital layer is going to help us detect that, that same, we are seeing a velocity pattern tied to that device, and we are seeing multiple individuals tied to that same device or a few set of small set of devices. So you can start flagging those. On the flip side, having just a digital layer where we are saying, hey, these devices we're seeing come through, but not having that identity context can also help you because fraudsters are going to try and mask their devices. They're going to try and use proxies. They're going to wipe cookies on their machine. So when they come back, it starts looking like a new device. Um, so just having a device layer by itself is also not going to be helpful. So bringing the two together is critical. Bringing that 360 degree view uh, of an individual and being able to say, here's Bala, here's his laptop, here's his mobile phone, his work phone, um, his work device, the, his iPad, being able to build that 360 degree view around an individual and being able to detect these devices that are tied to that individual is very, very helpful from reducing friction for the good people. And then when you start seeing a new device show up for an individual, that's where you want to put a little bit of friction and make sure that they authenticate themselves and confirm it is them before you allow them through uh, into the system. And oftentimes, when you start putting that friction, it's where you start seeing the bad actors falling off. 
Paula, talk to me for a bit about Iovation. What are you doing to help organizations and sectors to defend against identity fraud at the account origination? Iovation has been in business for well over 15 years. Over this period of time, we've seen several billion devices. We process well over 30 million transactions every single day. And in the, in the last 14, 15 years, we've built a pretty strong repository of what we call evidence data. This is data that we have collected from actual fraud operations people who are flagging devices going, hey, this device is bad. We have seen abuse from this particular device and so on. So we have collected this intelligence over several years. And we're able to leverage that in our transactions as customer transactions come through and we recognize the device and we look across a network and we go, hold on a second, this particular device was flagged as bad somewhere else in our network and we're able to surface it. Now, device by itself is not sufficient, going back to your earlier question about how the identity and the digital elements come together. So that's where acquisition of Iovation by TransUnion helps us quite a bit. TransUnion brings a very strong, robust identity proofing solution, and Iovation brings one of the best industry-leading digital proofing solutions. And the combination of these two solutions is essentially what sets us apart in the marketplace, and we are able to bring that value to our customers. We are truly, over the course of the last 18 months after since the acquisition of Iovation by TransUnion, we've built this 360-degree view around individuals, so we are able to detect individuals' devices on every single transaction as it's coming through the door. And that's a pretty significant differentiator uh, in the marketplace. Well, very well said, Bala. I appreciate your time. I appreciate your insight today. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. Again, we've been talking about identity fraud at account origination, and I've been speaking with Bala Kumar. He's Chief Product Officer with Iovation, a transunion company. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Tom Field. Thank you very much.